Tactical sports take. Inbound. Who the fuck is that guy? Beat him off. Stomp on his head as he's unconscious. He's a, he's a five-tool commentator. <laughs> he's a Willie Mays of sports <laughs> broadcasting. It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Owen Ely Show. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarSports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. We've got a great one for you today here on this Saturday, September 18th, as we look to preview UFC Fight Night Smith versus Span, which will take place uh, in a matter of minutes. In fact, it's already started. So, uh, you know, another uh, fashionably late preview show here from uh, North Star Sports HQ. But, you know, better late than never. I say it every time, but, you know, it's so true. It's so true. Better late than never. Um... Great day for sports. Gophers just blew Colorado State out of the water. Or Colorado, actually. Um, got a got a fun little UFC card here. Uh, it was supposed to be a fun, uh, massive UFC card. We were supposed to have 16 fights on this uh, monstrosity of a card. We're down to 14 because uh, two fell out, uh, I want to say, uh, either on Thursday or Friday. So uh, we're in for a long one here tonight. And, uh, you know, I'm all right with that. I'm all right with that. You know, I never like any weekend where the UFC is not around. Last weekend was very tough. Uh, you know, just basically stared at a wall and uh, rubbed a knife against my wrists. And that's pretty much it. That's really just what I do uh, if, if there's no UFC for a weekend. I mean, I you know, just think about some stuff for a long time. But uh, that's all right. We, we can put the Dark Demon stuff away this weekend because the UFC's back, and it'll be back next weekend, too, with a major pay-per-view. So it's the happy, happy fun times uh, now that the UFC is back. And, uh, you know, I'm very excited. So we will waste no time. Fuck housekeeping. It's irrelevant. Everybody already knows that the main card showdown is happening tonight. Everybody already knows that I don't know who's going to be in the main event except for me because I'm the champion. Uh, because that's just how it is. We don't know. You know, I, I decide who goes in the main event seven seconds before the, the the main card starts. You know what I mean? So it is what it is. That's why you got to follow us on Twitter. Uh, thankfully, because we've started this preview so late, uh, Hannah Goldie actually beat Emily Whitmire via uh, submission in the first round. So we don't even have to preview that one. Which is awesome, because I was not looking forward to previewing that fight. Would have been uh, a waste of time. So, we'll get right into it here. We'll start with the, uh, well, I guess it's not the prelim. It's it's the North Star Sports prelim opener, because that's when we started our preview. It's going to be between Gustavo Lopez and Haley Alatang uh, in the bantamweight division. Lopez is 12-6, and six, Alatang 14-8-1. and one. We'll take a look at the odds, uh, if I can find them. And they're going to tell us that it's a minus 110 pick them. So, you know, pick your poison here. Pick your poison. Uh, definitely not going with Haley uh, Alatang. I, I, I don't really uh, think too much uh, about him. He does have a nice win over uh, Dana Batgari, but uh, that was uh, Batgari's debut, I want to say. 
and he's kind of been on a little bit of a roll. Uh, ran into uh, Casey Kenny in his last fight and obviously lost that one. Uh, Gustavo Lopez uh, lost his last fight to Adrian Yanez. Kind of brought it to him in that fight a little bit. I mean, he got knocked out, so, you know, ultimately didn't go his way. But, you know, he's had some pretty tough fights. Uh, even on the regional scene, he, he fought uh, John Castaneda, lost to him, lost to Andre Ewell on the regional scene. Um, so this is a guy who's not really accustomed to taking easy fights. Uh, one and two in the UFC, losses are to Yanez, like I said, and Marab Devalishvili. So we don't really know where Gustavo Lopez is because those are two really good fighters, two fighters that are for sure going to be in the top 10 in a year's time. Marab might even be in the top 10 at this point. So I'm going to go with Gustavo Lopez. Uh, we'll go by uh, finish. Just finish. He's pretty well-rounded. Could knock you out. Could choke you out. Going to go round two finish. All right. Moving on to the welterweight division. We'll have a fight between Impa Kasanganai and Carlston Harris. Kasanganai is 9-1. and one, Harris 16-4. and four. Uh, Kasanganai will be the minus 181 favorite. Don't forget the one. He's not the minus 180 favorite. He's the minus 181 favorite. They're very particular over there at uh, the opening. Uh, kind of an interesting one. Obviously, Impa's known for being the guy who got knocked the fuck out by Joaquin Buckley, uh, which is a little bit unfortunate because uh, he's, he's, you're really never going to shake that. You're always going to be known as that guy. You know, even if you become champ, you're always kind of known as the guy who got knocked out in insane fashion. But, you know, let's not forget, he was undefeated going into that Buckley fight. Now, obviously early in his career, but he's a pretty legitimate prospect. And he showed that by making quick work of Sasha Palatnikov in his uh, rebound fight back in April. So, you know, I, I don't know. I actually kind of like Impa Kasanganai. I don't think a lot of people really think about him because he's out of the rankings and he's just the he's just the meme guy. But I, I really like him. But this is a tough one because Carlston Harris was the, well, I'm going to assume he was the welterweight champ. He might have been the fucking middleweight champ for all I know. But he was a champ over in Brave which is a uh, up-and-coming Middle East uh, MMA organization. Very respectable, very respectable. And uh, he, he's making his sophomore effort here in the UFC, beat Christian Aguilera back in May. Uh, not Christina Aguilera, but Christian Aguilera. Uh, probably the toughest fight of both of these guys' careers and not a whole lot of... Um, tape to review in the UFC. I'm going to go with Impa Kasanganai. I think he's a good fighter and everybody's rooting for a, a redemption story. Although it was just one loss, but kind of was a little more than one loss when you when you get down to the, the magnitude of it. Uh, moving on uh, to the women's flyweight division. We'll have a fight between Aaron Blanchfield and Sarah Alpar. Blanchfield is 6-1. and one. Alpar is nine and five taking a look at the odds and blanchfield is the very specific minus 266 favorite that's pretty significant uh blanchfield obviously a pretty hot prospect uh in the uh the, the world of mma only 22 years old and this is her uh ufc debut she uh, has had most of her fights most of her professional fights in invicta her only loss was to tracy cortez back when she was three and oh so you know, maybe caught her at, at the wrong time. Uh, Jesus, she must have been 19 at the time. Uh, has wins over Kay Hansen, who's in the UFC, Victoria Leonardo, who's in the UFC. Um, so 
has some nice uh, has some nice wins. Uh, hasn't fought since to July of 2020, so I mean a sizable uh, gap there, especially for her age. You know that's not really too sizable for you know someone who's 32. But you know when you're that uh, young in the sport, that's a pretty big gap. Um, obviously, don't know a whole lot about her other than the fact that she's a very highly touted prospect. Uh, Sarah Alpar uh, came off the Contender Series, had a win over Shayna Young, and then got knocked out by Jessica Rose Clark back in September as I uh, punch my mic. I'm going to go Aaron Blanchfield. Uh, I'm going to go with the upside on this one. Again, I don't don't really scout female MMA, especially at the uh, regional level, so I'm just going to have to take people's words for it on this one. All right, we're going to move on to the bantamweight division. We'll have a fight between Montel Jackson and J.P. Bays. Jackson is 10-2, and two, Bays 9-3. and three. Uh, Montel Jackson is going to be the minus 504 favorite. That's uh, a pretty heavy favorite right there, if I've ever, uh, if I've ever seen so. Um, Montel Jackson, kind of a uh, forgotten prospect at 135. I mean, it's such a, a fast-moving, some might even say quick-moving division uh, that it, it's pretty easy to forget uh, about Montel Jackson. I mean, you have so many. You got the Adrian Yanezes and and Marab and and uh, you know Sean O'Malley and Marlon Vera, and these are just guys who are not even ranked in in the top ten. You know, it, it's such a stacked division that you kind of forget about Montel Jackson. He's got good size, five foot ten, good length, seventy-five and a half inch reach. He's gonna have an eight-inch reach advantage against JP Bays, who, you know, is is um, a flyweight. So that's you're putting automatically you're putting up a pretty big bantamweight against at least uh, frame or uh, stature wise, maybe not frame wise, but stature wise, Jackson's a pretty big bantamweight against uh, uh, a blown up uh, flyweight. Um, I, I, I like Montel Jackson. I think he's a good striker. Had a really nice performance uh, back in March against Jesse Strader. Knocked him out in round one. That's what you're supposed to do. That guy never belonged in the UFC. It was I believe it was a short notice fight as well. Uh, so, you know, probably a nice uh, quick performance here for Montel Jackson. And, uh, you know, recency bias is a hell of a thing in the UFC. So we'll see if he can't catapult that into uh, something significant. You know, J.P. Bays uh, losing down at uh, flyweight to Bruno Silva, who's kind of on a little bit of a, a knockout streak. I kind of Bruno Silva's kind of a guy to watch out for. He's got a dog shit record, but I think he's on a three fight knockout streak. So something's clicking with Bruno Silva. That's a guy to watch out for, especially at flyweight, where you can really climb the rankings like it's just nothing. So quick win here for uh, quick Montel Jackson. All right, we're going to move on here to the lightweight division. We have a fight between Zhu Rong and Brandon Jenkins. Rong is 17-4. and four. Jenkins has a stellar record of 15 wins, 7 losses. Uh, we'll take a look at the odds here. I would have to imagine that Zhu is the uh, astronomical favorite. and Not quite, but still pretty heavy favorite here at minus 324. Uh, on Bovada and uh, sports betting, they they only have Zhu as the minus two thirty favorite. Um, you know that, that's a little interesting. Uh, you know, just another very very young Chinese prospect. He's only twenty one years old. Lost his UFC debut uh, back at UFC two sixty one. 
Uh, a guy who has a lot of fights for a 21-year-old. That's, you know, a common motif with uh, Chinese fighters. They seem to have a lot of fights very, very early. You look at Wei Li Zhang, a bunch of fights very early in her career. You know, she came over to the UFC at like 17 and 1, which is, I mean, 17 and 1 doesn't sound like that much. I mean, it is. But especially on the female side of things, that's a lot of wins before you come to the UFC. And uh, like Song Yadong, Song Yadong's only like 23. And that dude had like something like 25 fights over in China. So they, they, they keep you pretty active over there uh, in China. Uh, Brandon Jenkins, uh, I don't really know a whole lot about him. They call him the human highlight reel. So that's quite the um, quite the name to live up to there. Uh, and he's got a lot of quick finishes on his record. He has a lot of losses as well. But uh, his last outing was uh, just three weeks ago, back at uh, PFL 9. He knocked out Jacob Kilburn with a, a, a switch flying knee, whatever the fuck that could possibly mean. But Jacob, Kil- Jacob Kilburn was a guy who was just recently in the UFC. In fact, you know that probably was Jacob Kilburn's first fight since being released by the UFC. Now, Kilburn is not a good fighter at all very bad but he was in the ufc so you know when you see a name like that on somebody's record coming into the ufc i mean you know it's significant i mean even if you're really bad for the ufc you're really good for you know a regional fighter so you know could be a quick finish here for brandon jenkins you know maybe i don't know the uh, prop bets but you know maybe you might want to put a little cheddar on uh, brandon jenkins by first round knockout but probably got to go with uh wrong or Zhu Rong. Actually, I don't even know. It says Rong Zhu on here, but it says Zhu Rong on here. I never know if the first or last name is the first or last name uh, with China. Because what is it? It was it was Zhang Wei Li. No, is that what it is? See, I don't even know. Because it was, it was the other, and then they switched it. Or I guess not even switched. We just, you know, we're getting it wrong the whole time. I don't even know. But we're going to go with the Chinese fighter on this one by... I'm going to go decision. Yeah, I don't know. Kind of feeling it. All right, moving on to the women's bantamweight division, the absolutely dry and barren and just stagnant, moldy, musty women's bantamweight division. Just the worst division in all of the UFC is is female 135. And we're going to have a fight in that division between Penny Kianzad and Raquel Pennington. Kianzad is 15 and 5, Pennington 11 and 8. Uh, it might it might be wishful thinking. It might be wishful thinking because Raquel Pennington is the minus 138 favorite. But I'm going to go with Penny Kianzad on this one just because I cannot stand to watch another Raquel Pennington fight. I mean, it it makes me suicidal to watch Raquel Pennington fight. It, it's painful, it's boring. We've been seeing her fight I'm so sick and tired of the same women fighting in this division and just doing nothing, nothing. Like how many, you know, I I always say it with Holly Holm and Jermaine Durand to me, but it's like, dude, by the time Holly Holm retires, she's going to have seven more title fights that she didn't earn. Same with Jermaine Durand to me. We're going to see Jermaine Durand to me part three, four, and five against Amanda Nunes. We're going to see Raquel Pennington stay in the top five. We're going to see... Nina Nunez or whatever the fuck her name is, you know, permanently in the top 10, just wasting everybody's time. You know, Pani Kianzad, even though she's a little bit 
older than you think. Well, she's 29, whatever. Um, but that's that's fresh blood. That's new blood. I just want something new. I just want something interesting. I'm so fucking tired of seeing Holly Holm just have boring performances and, and I'm supposed to sit here and pretend that it's the greatest thing I've ever seen and just clap and just pretend that I'm watching Rory McDonald, Robbie Lawler, part two. Like that that's how that's how people want you to react when Holly Holm's fighting. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna react that way, I promise you. So even though Panny Kanda is not even that interesting of a fighter, not that she's boring, but she's just a fighter. You know what I mean? Just I don't know, has some good performances, had some bad performances. It's just something new. I just want something new. So I'm going to go with Panny Kianzad. I think she's a fine boxer. She does get hit way too often for my liking, but she's on a four-fight winning streak, and it's all unanimous decision victories. So, you know, that's a little encouraging. You know, like I always say, sometimes you see fighters who are on like a three-fight knockout streak, and those sometimes are legit. Sometimes they're legit, but sometimes they're bubbles waiting to be burst because you just got lucky. Or maybe you didn't even get lucky, but you were facing lower competition and finished them. I kind of like fighters, even though it's not the most interesting. Like if I had to bet, if it was the uh, stock market, as GSP says, and I had to bet on somebody, I would bet on somebody who's constantly winning unanimous decision victories because that's more replicable that, you know, like, like Usman. Usman was not, not, Usman only recently started knocking people out. His entire, you know, road to the top was just unanimous decision victories. Like, never knocked somebody out, but always won every single fight unanimously. So, I kind of like fighters like that. They're more stable, in my mind. Still could burst, obviously. Anything can happen, but more stable. All right, we've made it to the prelim headliner. It's going to be in the light heavyweight division between Tafan Nchukwi and Mike Slow Rodriguez. Nchukwi is 5-1, and one, Rodriguez 11-6. and six. Take a look at the odds here. Mike Rodriguez will be the minus 125 favorite. Uh, I have a real tough time picking uh, a winner in this one because they're both not that great. And they both really kind of need a win to save their careers. I think if Tafan loses, he probably gets a third chance in the UFC. But if Mike Rodriguez loses, he's he's getting cut. I mean, there's no two ways about it. So he's fighting for his his career. Uh, he's going to have a 4-inch height advantage, 5.5-inch reach advantage over uh, Tafan Dadan. And I, I kind of like Mod- Mike Rodriguez. He, he's a dangerous striker. You know, he's got good power, got com- completely fucked over by Ed Herman, who should have won an Academy Award for his despicable acting uh, back basically a year ago, uh, where, you know, he faked, uh, was it a nut shot? faked a nut shot that was clearly 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 to the stomach came back and choked out Mike Mike Rodriguez Uh, and then Rodriguez had a really really pitiful performance against Danilo Marquez basically wore Marquez like a backpack for I mean that fight only lasted nine minutes probably seven minutes of that fight Marquez was riding him like a backpack Uh, just a terrible terrible performance couldn't get uh, anything going um, actually, no, I might be confusing him. I might. No, that was Kennedy. Never mind. Okay, scratch everything I just said. Rewind, rewind the tape. Rewind the tape. Totally messed up on that one. Still, He still lost to Danilo Marquez, but I was confusing him with uh, Kennedy and Zekchuku, however you say his name. I'm so bad at pronouncing his name. Kennedy. 
Um, but either way, you know, Mike Mike needs a win. He needs a win. You're not going to get this many chances in the UFC. He's got two wins in his last seven fights. That's unacceptable regardless of the scenario. And Tafan, perfect example why you don't sign fighters to the UFC when they are uh, 4-0 and because this guy's clearly not ready for the UFC. He beat Jamie Pickett, who was like 1-3 on the Contender Series, then gets signed to the UFC and, you know, is terrible. Shocker. Uh, Tafan... You know, he got grapple fucked by Jun Yong Park. He made it look like he'd never wrestled a day in his life. That was an embarrassing performance. Probably should have been cut after that fight and just sent back to the regional scenes or if you want to sign a developmental deal. Totally cool, but this guy's absolutely not ready for the UFC. Mike's been in the UFC for a, a hot minute, so I'm going to go with uh, Mike Rodriguez on this one. Although stylistically, this is a good fight for Tafan because Mike is not not a wrestler. So, you know, I, I anticipate this kind of being a slugfest and... You know, anytime there's a slugfest where both of the fighters have roughly an 80% knockout rate, somebody's going to sleep here. Somebody's going to sleep. Uh, or, I guess, TKO. Hopefully somebody goes to sleep, because that's way more interesting. But I'm going to go Mike Rodriguez on this one. All right, we've finally arrived here at the main card opener, and it's going to be in the middleweight division between Joaquin Buckley and Antonio Ohio. Ohio is 9-4, Buckley is 12-4. Take a look at the odds here. And they're going to have Buckley as the minus 236 favorite. Just taking a quick look here. There's one other fight that I'm super excited about, so I'm not going to use... You know what? I've been neglecting the mailman's lock of the week, so I'm going to do two mailman's lock of the weeks. And I'm going to use my first lock of the week on Joaquin Buckley. Now, uh, Joaquin Buckley is interesting. He's obviously known for having that highlight knock- knockout of Impa Kasanganai, but he's a pretty inconsistent guy. So he made his debut against Kevin Holland the fight before that fight and got knocked out in round three. Okay, came into the UFC, didn't have a stellar, amazing record. You know, it was 10-2, and two, not bad, not bad, but, you know, not some highly touted prospect. Has the nice knockout over Impa has a pretty good knockout over Jordan Wright, and then gets knocked out by Alessio Di Chirico with that brutal head kick back in January. So I don't really know what to gather from that. He's a knockout artist, that much is clear, but I don't know if he's a pretender or a contender. So I think this is a very good test for him. Now, Ahoyo is levels below him. I'm not saying Ahoyo could not win this fight, but Ahoyo is way, way lower than Joaquin Buckley when it comes to talent, skill, fucking anything. Pick anything. He's way below him. But, you know, this is a fight he's supposed to win. So if you're a contender, you got to win the fights you're supposed to win. Let's see what he does against uh, Ahoyo. If he loses, very bad sign. Very, very bad sign. If he wins, you did what you're supposed to do. I'm not trying to brush it off and diminish, you know, if he gets a win over Ahoyo. But, you know, it's what you're supposed to do. Congratulations. You know, let's see you fight somebody a little more closer to your level, or at least where we think that is. So, Ahoyo is a not-so-great striker, and he's really not even that good on the ground. I mean, he got uh, out-grappled by Duran Wynn. That's one of the most embarrassing losses I've ever seen from uh, a UFC fighter, is uh, Ahoyo losing to Duran Wynn. And I believe that was even a catchweight fight. I want to say that was at, like, 190, maybe even 195. That might have been at 195. And Ahoyo is six foot three. Duran Wynn is a midget. He's five foot six, who is 
probably five weight classes above where he should be. So he was fighting at 195, way too tiny for 185. 5'6 is way too short for 170. 5'6 is very small for lightweight. 5'6 is probably still below average at featherweight. And 5'6 might be the average at bantamweight. So Duran Wynn, if you're not a bantamweight, I understand that body types are different. So that's fine. You don't have to be a bantamweight. Don't even have to be a featherweight. But can you be a lightweight? Can you care about your diet? But so you lost to a guy who doesn't care about his diet, who's a midget, who you're basically three times bigger than. And, you know, the fight before that, you lost to Andre Muniz. So if Ahoyo loses, he's cut. You go 0-3 in the UFC and show absolutely nothing, you're cut. So, you know, he's going to be trying pretty hard, hopefully. I mean, I don't know. I don't have high expectations for him. So who knows? He might just go out there and shit the bed like he's done two times before and not even try at all. So I don't know. I guess that's what you're supposed to do is try. So we'll see if he does that. But easy W for uh, Joaquin Buckley. He just has to show up. He just has to show up. And that's why it's the mailman's lock of the week. All right. We're going to move on here to the bantamweight division where we'll have a fight between Nate Manus and Tony Gravely. Manus has an unfortunate last name, but he's also 13-1. and one. Tony Gravely is 21-6. and six take a look at the odds here and gravel is going to be the minus 250 favorite not really sure why i'm also not really sure why this fight is on the main card uh, i don't know what they've done to earn that but whatever whatever uh manus is uh 30 years old he's pretty tall for uh bantamweight he's on a two fight winning streak within the ufc three fight winning streak overall uh pretty easy competition so far he he had johnny munoz and luke sanders and uh, Gravely's, uh, I don't know, he's not hes not really that good of a, a fighter from what I've seen. He tries really hard. He's more of an effort guy. Uh, he's 2-1 uh, and one in the UFC, so he lost to Brett Johns in his debut off of the Contender Series. Split decision win over Geraldo De Freitas and then a knockout of uh, Anthony Burchak in April. You know, I know that Gravely's the minus 250 favorite, but I'm going to go with Nate Manus on this one. I think Manus, you know, they both have proven nothing in my mind. You know, they're they're just, you know, C or B level prospects who made it to the UFC. They're getting some wins at the very lower level of the division. So I think it's kind of crazy to say that Tony Gravely would be the minus 250 favorite. I don't really know how you could, um, I don't really know how you could, you could quantify that. I guess from the regional, he does have some nice performances on the regional scene i mean a win over draco rodriguez who just got cut a win over chris mutinho who's now in the ufc a win over uh, ray rodriguez on the contender series so you know i i, I don't know he's gonna have more experience than manus but i'm gonna go with nate manus on this one but not a hell i'm gonna die on and we'll go by uh, unanimous decision of course because this is the uh, the main card all right, we're moving on here to the lightweight division. We'll have a fight between Christos Yagos and Armand Sarukian. Yagos is 19-8. and eight. Sarukian is 16-2. and two. We'll take a look at the odds here. And Armand Sarukian is the biggest favorite on the card. He's going to be a minus 700 favorite according to the opening. According to Bovada, he's a minus 900 favorite. And according to Bet Online and Sports Betting, he is a minus 1,000 favorite. So I mentioned we were going to have two lock of the weeks on today's show. This is obviously my other lock of the week, Armand Sarukian. 
Now, I've been saying with Armand Sarukian that he's a champion in waiting at 155. I've said that for years now. I've said that since his fight against Islam Makachev, which I believe he came pretty close to winning. Probably should have been a split decision. Since then, he's on a three-fight winning streak, all unanimous decision, decision, which you guys know I like, over Olivier Oban Mercier, Davi Hamosh, and Matt Frivola. Not too bad. Not too bad. You know, not the best three-fight winning streak in the history of the UFC, but, you know, hey, those are some tough fighters. Hamosh is a very good BJJ guy. Uh, OAMs, at that point, had been in the UFC for quite some time, really grew up in the UFC. So, you know, I think Armand Sarukian's the complete package. I think he's just as good of a grappler as he is a striker. And he's just got that... Um, when you watch him, he's just got that it factor. He's just got that thing. It's really, it's really hard to quantify, but if you go back and watch his fight against uh, Islam, he just has that that it factor. I mean, that was his debut against a guy nobody wanted to fight, who probably was on a four or five fight winning streak at that point, uh, four fight winning streak at that point, and he probably gave him his toughest test. I would say, you know, in, in Islam has, has fought, you know, Drew Dober, who was on quite a winning streak. He fought, he fought Davi Hamos. He fought Tiago Moises, two really good BJJ guys. He's fought Clayson Tebow, who's a veteran of the sport, Nick Lentz, who's a veteran of the sport. But his toughest fight he's ever had outside of, I suppose, his loss, outside of his loss to Adriano Martins, uh, the toughest fight he's ever had was against Armand Sarukian in his debut as a 22-year-old. So I think this guy is really, really special. And uh, no surprise, uh, I think he gets it done uh, against Christos Yagos. Probably finishes him, to be honest, because Yagos has uh, distinct... Uh, susceptibility to uh, being finished at times got knocked out by Josh Emmett choked out by Charles Oliveira Uh, you know just a guy who's up and down you know he's won four of his last last five so he's kind of on a little resurgence here but you know it's against the likes of Sean Soriano who was making his comeback to the UFC never had a win in the UFC Carlton Minus maybe in his uh, second fight in the UFC didn't have a win Uh, you know Demir Hodzovich Bosnian bomber, good power, but not not a not a good fighter. So I think he probably gets it done in uh, impressive fashion. Uh, the the one thing I will say about Armand Sarukian is he needs to work on his guard a little bit better because he can be hit sometimes. He he has been rocked at times, which is a little bit concerning. So if he cleans that up, you know I, I'm I'm a I'm a ride or die with uh, Armand Sarukian. All right, we're going to move on to the featured bout on the main card. It's going to be in the women's flyweight division between Mandy Bohm and Ariane Lipsky. Bohm is 7-0. and Lipsky is the uh, is 13-7. and Excuse me. Uh, neither fighters are ranked. Uh, it's essentially a pick em. We will have uh, Lipsky as the minus 115 favorite. Bohm as the uh, minus 105 favorite. It, you know, ordinarily... <clears throat> Excuse me. Ordinarily, I would go with Ariane Lipsky, but it's very peculiar Peculiar that they put Mandy Bohm on a featured bout on a main card. It really makes me think... I don't think they put Ariane Lipsky in the featured bout on a main card. I think they put Mandy Bohm in the featured bout on a main card. So they they must know something we don't know. There must be a reason why they put her in this spot. So that kind of piques my interest. That's a little peculiar. That that kind of raised my guard. And, you know, 
I'm, I'm not married to, to the idea of, you know, an Ariane Lipsky. You know, they call her the queen of violence. She's been finished in, in her last two fights. Uh, she's 2-4 and four in the UFC. Her only two wins are against fighters who had absolutely no business being in the UFC in Isabella Di Padua and uh, Luana Carolina. Although she did fuck up Carolina really bad. She probably destroyed every ligament in her knee on that knee bar. So that was a very good win. But, you know, losses to Calderwood, McCann, Shevchenko, the younger, actually the older Shevchenko, Antonina, and Montana De La Rosa. So I, I think she's kind of just a punching bag. She'll stumble into some wins. Not overly impressed uh, with Lipsky. Although she's 27, so, you know, I'm not saying she's doomed for the rest of her career maybe she turns it around that's a real possibility but from what i've seen so far not impressed mandy bohm undefeated she is 32 which is a little concerning not for this fight but you know just down the road 32 is kind of old to be making your debut especially at a low at a lower weight class like 125 especially on the female side of things so you know heavyweights can fight into their mid 40s and as you get uh, you know, lighter and lighter in weight, the career span gets gets younger and younger. You know, there's a reason why at men's flyweight, you don't really see a whole lot of 35-year-olds because you're really done as a flyweight by the time you're like 33, 34. And the, the, the career tract is a little bit uh, younger as well if you're female. So 32 is pretty old to, you know, if, if your ambitions are to become a champion. But we're not talking about that. That's a talker for her career, but as a talker for who's going to win this fight tonight, I kind of like Mandy Bohm. So I'm going to side with the uh, the unknown wild card here and go with the uh, German. Going to have a four-inch reach advantage as well. All right, we're going to move on to the co-main event of the evening, and it's going to be in the 205-pound division between Iwan Kutalaba and Devin Clark. Kutalaba is 15, 6, and 1. Devin Clark is 12 and 5. Take a look at the odds here, and it's essentially a pick'em. Devin Clark, the small minus 115 favorite. Really depends where you're looking. You look at Bovada, Bet Online, Sports Betting, My Bookie. They're all gonna have Iwan Kutalaba around uh, roughly around a minus 160 favorite. Can't say they're wrong. Cannot say they are wrong. Uh, very, very fair matchmaking. You know, some people might be a little confused as to why this is the the co-main event, but I think stylistically this is going to be a really good fight. I actually really, really uh, like it. You know, evenly matched, and they're both guys who who are going to bring it. Now, Iwan Kutalaba, also known as the uh, the doorknob licker, uh, 27 from Moldova. Uh, his record's a little bit spotty, a little bit spotty since 2019. So since 2019, he's got a loss to uh, Glover Teixeira, a, a nice knockout over Khalil Roundtree, two knockout losses to Megamed Ankalaev, and a split draw to Dustin Jacoby. So he's kind of desperate for a win here. I don't think his career is on the, uh, the, the, the chopping block here because he's a very interesting fighter and he always brings it whether or not he wins or loses. So I don't think his career is in jeopardy, but, you know, if he wants to kind of right the ship here, certainly needs a win against uh, Brown Bear Devin Clark. Now, Devin Clark is coming off of uh, his first main event appearance, and that was against Anthony Smith back in November. Lost that fight in round one uh, to a uh, triangle choke. Really never should have had that fight. Never should have had that fight. 
I was puzzled by that matchmaking and I forget who was supposed to have that main event but they were supposed to be the co-main event originally main event falls out they get the main event uh you know Devin Clark strong guy very very strong good wrestler um his cardio could be a little better it's not great cardio not good cardio but he's a durable fighter he can take a punch so you know he's uh he's a uh interesting combination uh of of you know different aspects but again stylistically i think this makes for a good fight with kutalaba i don't really see devin clark getting knocked out with a you know a single punch or 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 whatever so we might be in for a war this is a very obvious front runner for fight of the night and uh you know, Devin Clark could use a win as well. You know, before the Anthony Smith fight, two-fight winning streak over uh, Daquan Townsend and Alonzo Menafield was really in danger of getting knocked out in the first round against Alonzo Menafield, who has no gas tank, just emptied the gas with a minute to go in the uh, the first round. And, you know, that's where you saw the, the, the a little bit of struggle with cardio from Devin Clark, but he out-cardioed a guy with no gas tank in Menafield. And, you know tough guy took some some shots composed himself and and got the dub so you know he's a guy who brings it kutalaba is a guy who brings it really it's a pick em for me i'm gonna go with iwan kutalaba uh, it would be a lot easier to side with devin clark based on his last couple of performances but you know kutalaba you know fighting ankalaev ankalaev's a good fighter that guy could be fighting for a title sooner than people think so you know the the um strength of schedule definitely has to go with kutalaba and um, you know, I, I think he, I think he gets a win. It, I think if Kutalaba wins, it's probably by a finish. You know, he's, that's not really a guy who's known for going the distance. So, I suppose if I'm picking Iwan Kutalaba, I gotta pick him to knock out Devin Clark. So I'm gonna say he knocks out Devin Clark in round two, round one, round one, late round one. Kutalaba is gonna knock out Devin Clark. All right, we're going to move on now to the main event. It's going to be in the light heavyweight division between Anthony Lionheart Smith, that's debatable, versus Ryan Superman Span. Smith is 35 and 16. Ryan Span is 19 and 6. Take a look at the odds of Rooney here. And uh, Smith is going to be the minus 160 favorite, according to the opening. Not really sure why they uh, put Anthony Smith in another main event. I don't know who's demanding to see him fight uh, in, in another main event. He's not a superstar. He's not a star. I don't think anybody gives a flying fuck about Anthony Smith. And he's had the most main events since 2019 in the UFC. Or at least I want to say... Like I saw a graphic earlier. I think, I think, th- I think since 2019 he's had eight main events, which is just ridiculous i don't like oh man i don't know why he keeps getting put back into main events i don't know how many nude pictures of dana white he has but you know i don't know I, you know i'm kind of led to believe he might have some dirt on uh the people over there at zufa because i don't know how he keeps getting put in these spots uh anthony smith is not good he's average he never was good he's the, the story of Anthony Smith's career is a story of being in exactly the right place at exactly the right time 
every single step of the way until he fights for a title. I mean, he gets to fight a, a super old and busted former Bellator champion in Hector Lombard. So a guy who has some cachet, has some name recognition, but a guy who's at the very, very end of his career beats him, uh, you know, beats uh, Rashad Evans at the very, 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 very end of his career, beats Shogun Hua when he has literally nothing left to give. You know what I mean? It's it's like, it's like if, you know, it's like if in 40 years when GSP is on his deathbed, I just kick in the hospice door and just beat the shit out of GSP as a, a 95-year-old frail man and go, I beat the world champion. I beat GSP. Yeah, but I beat him. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, but I beat him when he was a 95-year-old man in hospice. That's basically what Anthony Smith is. His entire career... Excuse me. I needed a sip of water there. His entire career is just him beating up the hospice equivalent of, you know, MMA fighters. That's all he does. He beats up, you know, these guys who are at the who have name recognition, who were good fighters decades before, who are at the very end of their career and Anthony Smith just, you know, pushes them over. You know. So not impressive, not impressive. The win against Volkan Uzdemir was a good win. I'll give him that. That's his best win. He was getting beat up for two rounds, turned it on uh, Uzdemir and choked him out. Solid win. Not going to take that away from you. I'm not here to just shit on Anthony Smith, but I feel anytime he's fighting or in a main event, I have to bring this up because, you know, right place, uh, right time. And until he has to fight like good fighters like Glover Teixeira and then he gets his teeth knocked out or Rakic, who, you know, who's a kickboxer, a well-known kickboxer, a well-known striker. And he get he he made Alexander Rakic look like fucking Khabib in his prime. I mean, this guy's got no wrestling skills, not that good of a striker. He's he's tall and lanky, so he's got that going for him. He's not even going to be taller than Ryan Span. He's not going to have a better reach uh, than Ryan Span. So I like Ryan Span in this one. I think Ryan Span's by far the more interesting uh, part of this main event. I, I could not care less about. Anthony Smith. Oh, and also, his last fight against Jimmy Crute. Jimmy Crute had a catastrophic leg injury, or a, a pretty bad leg injury. If Jimmy Crute was, was allowed to fight, even with that leg injury, he would have just battered Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith, that was a, a, a godsend that Jimmy Crute got injured, because Anthony Smith would have got even more of his teeth knocked out if, if that fight had been, had been allowed to continue. That was a terrible matchup, and he got so lucky that Jimmy Crute slipped on a banana peel and hurt himself because, uh, you know, he might have retired after that one. I don't think Ryan Spann is going to retire him, but, uh, you know, I I like Ryan Spann in this one. You know, he had the one setback against Johnny Walker. Okay, fair enough, but rebounded nicely, knocked out Misha Serkinov. Outside of that, I mean, he's won, like, nine of his last ten fights. And his only loss before that, or the the loss before that was to uh, Carl Roberson on the Contender Series. That one was a bad one. Got knocked out in 15 seconds by an elbow on the Contender Series. But, you know, since then, you know, he's racked up some nice wins. You know, beat Little Nog, beat Devin Clark, a win over Sam Alvey, uh, you know, a win over Emiliano Sordi. So, you know, Span is definitely trending in the uh, the right direction. And I just really, I really don't know how Anthony Smith wins. You know, Ryan Spann's got an average fight time of five minutes, so he's a finisher. So maybe he finishes him. 
1.7 knockdowns uh, per 15 minutes. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, Ryan Spann's not really known as a wrestler, but is Anthony Smith known as a wrestler? Uh, Anthony Smith's significant strikes landed are 2.9. His significant strikes absorbed are 4.4. So this dude's just a punching bag. He's just out there to eat punches. He's just out there to get dunked on. And he's probably going to get dunked on by Ryan Spann. I just don't see... Outside of Ryan Spann slipping on a banana peel like Jimmy Crute did, I don't know how Anthony Smith wins. Outside of like Ryan Spann poking him in the eyes and the doctor calling it off or Ryan Spann tripping on the cage and just blowing out his PCL, I really don't see how, you know, Lionheart wins this one. So we're going to go Ryan Spann by third, fourth, fifth round knockout. We'll go fifth round knockout because Anthony Smith can take a punch. That's for sure. You know, he... We saw that in the Glover Teixeira fight. He can take a punch, so he's he's hard to put away. Not impossible, but, you know, hard to put away. So we'll go Ryan Span by round five knockout. All right, so with that, uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. Follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star M-I-N. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And, uh, you know, be on the lookout for the main card showdown later tonight. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Listen, I'm going out like I came in. I'm the mailman. I always deliver, and I'm going to be delivering in the Twin Cities market for a long time, Reagan Hoover, man. You're going to get sick of me. You're going to take me for granted. You're going to love me, but more importantly, you're going to hate me. But I'll always be around. I'll always be around. I'll never stop delivering. Never stop delivering.